What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg. You're listening to episode 195. And I am here tonight with Ryan. And uh, yeah, we got um, hockey, Ryan. It was exciting. We were at opening night. It was fantastic. It was loud. They muffled us on TV for some reason. But the game, I mean, was really good. But how are you doing tonight? I'm not still quite fully caught up from this weekend. Going back to Thursday. Tyler, who fucker is not here right now, which is upsetting. Um, <laughs> meaning a part of the podcast at the moment. He left my house finally yesterday after being here since Thursday. Him and his dad were in town. Had Brandon and Pete stayed at the house Thursday night. Everyone made their way down to the game. We, it was fun weekend. Saturday, you guys came by the house. We had you missed out on the cookout stuff, but uh, we still had some good, good beers and hangout time. And yeah, it was just fun. We had watched hockey live. Yeah, got to see our Twitter family. It did, that was a great picture this year. Jen organ, organized that very well, even with the issues with the tickets that we ran into. Um, but yeah, as a whole, great weekend. Great hockey, for that matter. Even though, as we'll talk, touch on, last night could have been better. But they didn't quit. And we'll, we'll go into that a little bit further. But yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Again, thank you for everyone that came out to opening night and said hi to us and talked to us and met us. It was a lot of fun. We had a ton of people. There were Harry's a ton was great. Before and after. Yeah, and it's it's just going to keep getting bigger. At one point, we're going to have to rent out a space to do a picture. And the Red Wings keep noticing it, too, because they were liking the tweets on, on Twitter that we were putting out of the group photo. So, again, thank you to Jen, because Jen's amazing and she's the best team mom and she organizes us all together and herds us like cattle into one spot for a picture. And it's fantastic. Uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have three games to cover. Uh, we have a little bit of news before that. Uh, Pierre Lebrun put out an NHL Rumblings article literally 43 minutes ago uh, with news of a potential salary cap relief coming in 2023. Quote, there's a possibility the league's salary cap for next season could jump up more than $4 million if revenues hit a certain target. And the pandemic escrow deficit is fully paid back uh, by players. So uh, the other quote I like in here is revenues are pretty vibrant right now, which means they're heading towards hitting their marks. So if we go up four million dollars in the offseason, that will put us at what? Eighty six, eighty five, eighty six, eighty six, five. Yep. Yeah, that's a big number. And that is going to help. I mean, not only in the near term with contracts to Larkin and Bertuzzi and stuff coming up. But in the long term, where if you figure you want to sign a Mo Sider next season or a Lucas Raymond next season, instead of letting them go all the way to an expired contract, even though they're restricted, if you pay them now before they get any better, you can generally get the contracts a little cheaper. And if yeah. caps and it keep jumping like this, you probably want to get them in before that it, it keeps going up because four yeah. million is a pretty significant jump after being stagnant for a while. Yeah, I mean, for where if you look at where things have been the last couple of years, I mean, I don't need to remind us all of what shitty times we've gone through, but to see very little jump last year have record revenue was over what? $5 billion that they pulled in last year. Way over. ton of money. Yeah. So they're expecting that and seemingly more this season. I mean, another piece that what you didn't mention as well is that it sounds like the player's escrow could be paid off this season, which that's going to play even more into the contract. And hopefully that's going to support CBA discussions in the next couple of years. 
But I mean, you have a team like Detroit that's already in a great cap situation. And a lot of these top teams are still in cap hell. Like they might now on top of signing their young guys, now you can go snipe maybe one or two higher profile free agents. And again, there's, there's that bump up in your, your team and what you're hoping for in terms of a playoff ready roster. But it's, it's going to be an interesting year if that's the case, because I could see a lot more trades happening and I could see a lot. Of, this could be a crazy free agent season off season. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch because, again, like you said, you're still going to have cap strap teams. I mean, the Leafs, even with a four million dollar bump, are still going to be in some trouble. You've got Tampa, who's going up toward that cap. Vegas. Vegas, who's up toward the cap. So even they're going to appreciate that $4 million bump if it does happen. And it'll help them a little bit, but they're still going to have to either A, ship off some people to lower their cap a bit, or B, not be able to sign everyone they want to sign when they want to sign them. So uh, I think Bettman, the other thing he put is we believe there is a good probability that escrow will be paid off this season. It may not happen, but it's going to be close, we think, which means a flat cap will be replaced by an increase. If not this season, then next one. He said if it does not happen, a $4 million bump does not happen, the cap will go up by just $1 million this summer, and yeah. then the next season will start going up exponentially. And I, and I still hope, like deep down inside, that's all it does just to cause more havoc with some of these teams that are already at the line and above because they're going to have to ditch so much salary and figure out so many different ways to make sure they're compliant coming going into next season. And it's, that would be one way to quote unquote, get parity in the league. Yeah. I'm looking right now, right now, the highest cap number is Vegas, uh, but they're not using any LTIR currently. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, I don't know. Montreal is using 1.8 million of LTIR. Tampa is using 2.7 million of LTIR. Edmonton is using 13,333 of LTIR. So you've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 teams. Looks like 14 teams that are over up against or over the cap currently, but are using LTIR to get there. Vegas has three guys showing as LTIR, though. They've got 14, just over 14 million in cap with that. That's Shea Weber, Robin Lanner, and Nolan Patrick. I'm just looking at Cap Friendly's main page and sorting by current cap space. It has $0 LTIR. So that just means they have $0 oh, they're projected left. Up. If you go into the actual team page, they're projected 14 mil. Okay, so they have zero left in LTIR. That just must mean how much they have left in LTIR. Got it. That might. Yeah, because Carolina right now is at 86 million and they've got 6,800,000 in LTIR money they can use. So, but you've got, I mean, 14 teams that are up against the cap. You've got the Pittsburgh Penguins with $86,000 left. So, I mean, I count that as up against the cap. You've got, let's see, Pittsburgh, Dallas, New York, San Jose, and LA that all have under a million dollars left. So... A $4 million bump can help all these teams. Now, again, they all have their own situations. They've all got guys falling off, guys that need to be re-signed, uh, people they won't pick back up. But, I mean, you've got over half the league that's up against the cap, and then you come look down at the bottom with, we're hanging out with Anaheim, Arizona, and Buffalo. I mean, Anaheim, Arizona, and Buffalo have a ton of space. I didn't realize Buffalo was barely a million, what, 1.7 million above the lower limit. Yeah, 
And people said Buffalo was probably going to be a better team this year. And if they're any good at that cap number, that's fantastic for them. Holy shit, I forgot they had Jeff Skinner. Yeah, Jeff Skinner's uh, monstrous contract that doesn't make much sense. I mean, now granted, it's going to jump significantly next year. Kyle Poso's 34 years old. He is, yeah. Wow. Why did I think he was still like 27? He's not. It's because we're old, Ryan. That's why. I don't know. That's that's a very fair point. Um, I hate you. (laughs) But we are going to move on to the actual Red Wings team. And from game one, I want to start with sad news on the Red Wings front first. Okay, let's start with sad news. Tyler Bertuzzi out four to six weeks with um, a hand problem. Uh, They call it upper body injury. He blocked a shot with his hand. I'm assuming a four to six week time span is either a fracture or a break. Man, and that, that sucks. Looked bad, yeah, brutal. Great shot block. Yeah, don't get me wrong there, but of all the spots, right square on the hand looked like it might have just gone between the padding there. Even if it did, that thing was a piss missile from the point, and he took all of that square and immediately came off the ice. And sadness ensued. They won, but they ensued sadness. Yep, and then last game, Jacob Verana sat for personal reasons. Today, Derek Lalone said there is no timetable on his return right now, but the Red Wings don't play until Friday, so I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. So Joe Valeno and uh, Philip Zadina back in, and uh, all is okay with the world, I guess. I mean, that last game against LA, they did not look great, but they were able to... They looked tired. They looked tired, but they were able to... Get through it. Dylan Larkin with possibly the play of the year and that diving stop on an empty net goal and then Sonny to tie it up and take it to overtime just shows you the, the kind of fire they have right now this year. New coach, just new system, new opportunities, and they're taking it. And I mean, Dylan Larkin's even said he doesn't want to be a team that wins. He wants to be a team or a team that loses. He wants to be a team that's in it. They've asked him about. I was going to say, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. They've asked him about playoffs. He said he wants to be a team that's competing at the end. They want to be in competition the entire season. And that's the kind of stuff that it takes, especially from your captain, to stay in it like that. Now, so you touched on the play, a.k.a. the back check, is what I guess we can call it. And I hate making the comparison, but of course it's Twitter and online and people do that all the time. But what, what is your thought? Do you think... I've got my thought on it that that type of play and finish happens if Jeff Blaschel is still a coach. You mean just Larkin taking that extra step to do that? Just the drive from the team to come back and force overtime. Oh, I, that if Jeff Blaschel is the coach, I think that game would have been a, a four to one game, a, a five to two game. I don't think they would have because that game was about in-game adjustments and they made some adjustments and they came back and the offense kicked up. I mean, David Perron is as advertised and it's fantastic. He oh came my God. In and I, it's, I think though, like you said, if Blash was coach, I just think that it, that there would have been no adjustments during the game and they would have lost by a decent score. But this is, if this is the kind of team we're going to have all year, I mean, we've got to be an 85 plus point team at least. 
So by, by no adjustments, I'm going to assume that that means like line changes and then just really just adjusting to the speed that LA was using because they were yeah. ass last night. Changing your kind of play style to reflect what's happening. Yeah. And I agree for the most part. Do I think that they would have caved so early in the season last year? No. I think they came out hot. We've talked about this before. But the way that they did it, I think, to your point, is what stands out in terms of it was hard play throughout. They were getting worked those first two periods. Third one, they finally seemed to find that extra little gear to go at it, especially when they they got back, they tied it back up at four, seemed to lose all momentum momentum shortly after that going down. Or, or I'm sorry, tied it at three, lost it back four to three, and then somehow came back. Larkin made the play. Less than a minute later, they scored to tie it up. But it's what I liked about the game. Lalone wasn't afraid of having interesting matchups out there. He had the, what are we calling Soderblom's line at this point? Uh, my name for them is the Knights Who Say Knee uh, because they are also wasn't very what I large. think you were going to say. <laughs> no, uh, I, I heard them yesterday. Ken Daniels called them the treesome. Uh, that sent a shudder down my spine. I will never call them that. That <laughs> is right, I'm going with it. Nope. Horrifying. No, I'm good. I got they a name. The, re- the Redwoods. The, the Redwoods. I missed that. The Redwoods? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going with the treesome. Oh, God. It was interesting to me at one point. He actually had them out there with the Kopitar line, and they were getting worked. And what I was happy about that is – with that home change and how the game progressed, he finally got rid of that matchup and avoided it at all costs. And it seemed to me that that line started actually providing more pressure and controlling play like we were used to seeing those first couple of games. So though it's subtle, like things that of that nature helped out a lot. We did see the line blender come out because they just weren't pushing offense for a bit there. And then we saw Raymond getting moved around. We saw Perron getting moved around. Zadina was getting moved around. Didn't really, I don't think that they changed anything up on the defensive side of the puck. That stayed pretty straightforward. But the forwards, he, there were options there. And I think that what we weren't used to seeing before was those types of options. And it kind of sparked different areas that we maybe weren't expecting to see. And that I think it helped tremendously. So to your point of the adjustments of the sort, like that was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and that's, again, credit to the coaching. They were able to make adjustments in the middle of the game, notice what wasn't working, switch it, and not the Blashel blender panic kind of adjustments. The uh, clearly recognizing something's not working in a certain area, moving it strategy. around. Strategy. Yeah. That was the key one. The key yeah. word there was changing the strategy, not just changing lines for the sake of changing lines. It was changing how he was going, attacking the zone, changing what they were doing through the neutral zone because. LA was fast. I was not expecting that. And Detroit didn't adjust right away. And once they finally did, they were playing, they weren't chasing the puck the entire the rest of the game. And for the people worrying about Mo Sider, uh, don't. I, I I think the point and I the think point, it's more than just him, but I, I got a point to that. The point that was brought up online by a couple people which, that I agree with is that Lalone is giving them kind of freedom to do what they want and explore their game and work to their strengths. And Blashill was kind of locking them down and telling them to do one thing. So when you were told, okay, just be you, be your player, play your game, they're going to have to figure out what they can get away with and what they can't, what works and what doesn't, and then refine it that way. 
Moe's cider, by all accounts, has not been bad. Moe is still a plus two through three games. He has no points. And I mean, he he's 21 minutes and 53 seconds average time on ice. So he's still playing the, I think, most time on ice right now uh, behind. Actually, no. Yeah. Highest time on ice. Second is Dylan Larkin. And third is Philip Hronick. So he's getting the most ice time out of everyone. He is not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but the offense is not there yet. He has 11 shots. So it'll come. I'm not worried about it. He's not a minus. You know, 11 shots through three games for a defenseman is pretty, it's good. pretty solid. It's he, good. The biggest thing to me, to me on that point, that means he's getting the puck through, the, through traffic and he's making things happen. It's not showing up on the score sheet yet, but it's going to be there real soon. Yeah. So the Red Wings do have five points through three games. I want to kind of go back to game one where we're playing and we're all there and we're all having a good time. And throughout the whole thing, I just there was pressure constantly. The defense looked really good. Game one, like really good. And we did not let I I felt like there were maybe one defense. I would even venture to say for that for that matter. There were like one or two times where I'm like, oh, well, Montreal has possession or control. And then it was taken right away. And I mean, it was a beautiful thing to watch a team that just came off beating the, the Leafs and they came in and we absolutely crushed them. And I said, I'm like, maybe it's early. It's game one. But this just feels like a different team. The team on the ice feels different. And, and we even kind of talked about it in game three where Larkin, maybe Larkin doesn't make that diving play on the back check. But this year he does. It's a different team. And I don't I mean, again, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but that's just the way that I looked at it is just everything seems like it's been brought up a notch. The game is more calm. They're not calm, but poised. They're more aggressive. The offense has been kicked up a notch and the goaltending. Huso and Ned have been for all intents and purposes. They've been really good. So, I mean, Huso shut out in his first career start as a Red Wing and then I mean, Ned was spectacular. He had what, 37 of 39 saves or 39 out of 41, something like that? I think it was 39. Who, saves. Ned? Yeah. Uh, Ned had 39, uh, 37 saves out of 39 shots and 949 save percentage. Yeah. So yeah. he was really good. And, but this is the other thing is he even talked about the team and Huso talked about the team in front of him. And the team in front of him was playing hard and they gave him that chance to win. And that's something I don't think we had last season is that Ned can be a very good goalie, but no goalie is going to be phenomenal with a garbage defense in front of him with a team that's not playing for the goalie in front of them. So I think that's another thing that goes toward my whole point of this team feels different this season. And I don't want to get super, super hyped up because then inevitably I will just be let down and my dreams will be crushed. But I feel really good about it. And I ask people on Twitter, too, but I want to get your take before I go through some of the um, some of our responses. No, I was looking through the shot charts from those first three games. Montreal barely was able to get between the dots and in tight on the net. Now, the New Jersey game, to no surprise, there's a lot more traffic and shot attempts by them in close. But I feel like with the way that game went, they weren't as high danger. Um. But they were able to get in behind. 
And Detroit, I felt like did a great job in both games of keeping them more outside the circles, if you will, and really keeping the high pressure on. When you go to look at it, LA's shot charts, they were peppering between the face-off dots and anything in close. One, two, three, four of their goals were from the face-off dot and below and through the middle. And then one came just outside, which several of their shots were wicked. The game-winning goal was a bit of a fluke. But, I mean, to your point about how the team defense has looked better, I mean, as a majority of the time, absolutely. They are attacking the puck. I think that was one of the things that Lalone, if I remember right, said that he wanted them to be aggressive and hard to play against, and they are absolutely doing that. They're utilizing what they can in terms of speed, team speed and the way that they're pressuring. What's really I've enjoyed seeing out of that pressure in the defensive zone, it's leading to a solid breakout, and it's a controlled breakout. Now, you look at last night, I feel like the, the sea legs caught up to him a little bit, and they were just kind of flat-footed more often than not, just trying to make a play without really skating into it. And that bit him in the ass several times. But what I was going to say about games in the sort early in the season, we go back to talking to Darren, it's going to happen in those first 9, 10, 11 games. These, it's nothing to really fret about unless it's happening once we get to the 15-game mark, 20-game mark, because that conditioning, yes, they had a full preseason but they're still trying to get fully comfortable. Again, it's a brand new system, but we're seeing how when that system clicks, it goes. And they're scoring goals, which to me right now, that's the most important aspect of this whole thing is that they're putting the puck in the net, whereas before it was like, all right, well, are they going to score? Now they're scoring goals and they've done a decent job of keeping the other opposing team from also scoring goals. But LA, like I said, Last night, they were full of piss and vinegar, and they, it was a struggle for Detroit to keep up with them. And they're a, they're a playoff team. That L.A. team is a playoff team. And we were able to keep up. We were able to tie it up when when the last minute or last seconds were ticking down. And that's the kind of game you want to play against. I mean, especially at this point, that's the kind of game you want to play against a playoff team is like that game we played against L.A. We are <laughs> not. I mean, if if I were to say right now, we're not a playoff team, that doesn't mean we can't make playoffs. But that doesn't mean we might make playoffs because you, the rest of the league is in flux and you've got to figure out how is Washington season going to go? How is Pittsburgh season going to go? The guys that are kind of toward the bottom, toward those wild card spots like last season. And if they have something catastrophic happen, then we could leap leapfrog them into a wild card spot. But. We are by saying we're not a playoff team. It's saying that we're not a team. I don't think that is built to make a good run in the playoffs. We're getting there. Yeah. If we had to play a team like LA for seven games, it would probably not end well. No, but what I mean is that we, if we got in, we we'd probably be a first round exit. We might. I, God, I hope we we get in and we get Toronto and then we make it to the second round and just kick Toronto out in the first round. It'd be hilarious. Toronto would burn. It would literally burn. It'd be so funny. But I mean, if you look, I mean, you look at the score sheet too last night. For us, it was Ernie. Braun had two beautiful goals and Sonny. But then you secondary scoring, baby. Secondary scoring. But then you look at LA. Their stars showed up and came to play. It gave Velarde. Adrian Kempe, who is at, didn't he just go on IR today? Is from what I saw. I think he's out here now. 
Philip Deneau and Anze Kopitar. So their stars stepped up on the road. And that, that was my point there. Like Drew Dowdy had assists last night. Kevin Fiala had some assists. Philip bought us uh, with Arvidsson on the, on the score sheet. No, Arvidsson was on the Arvidsson score sheet. Arvidsson missed the uh, empty With pack. a giveaway off a great steal on the back check. But I digress. Yeah, so the Red Wings right now, if we go to natural stat trick, and we talk about, uh, on the show, we talk about PDO pretty often. That's the NHL's luck measure on how lucky your team is. If they're over 100, they're generally having better luck than normal and should come back down. If they're below 100, then they're having bad luck and should come back up. And if you're around that 100 mark, that's your repeatable level. Right now, the Detroit Red Wings as a team, their PDO is 1.033. That is 10th in the league currently. The highest PDO in the league right now who's playing uh, luckier than what they should be is St. Louis followed by Dallas, then the Islanders, then the Pens. And we can see that with a team like the Penguins, who were a wild card team last season, but they're 2-0-1 like we are right now. So right now we are playing based on, on our team, how we should be playing, how a team built like this should be playing based on the individual players and the team stats. So if it's repeatable like this, and we keep going, this could, like I said, it could be a team that makes it to the playoffs, but is not a playoff team. And I know that's really confusing when you say it out loud, but it's just that's how it works in my head. You want to talk about Elmer? I think we should. I think we should talk about Elmer because this kid. Because he did something pretty good, right? He scored a first NHL goal in his first game, and it was beautiful. And it was a game winning goal, no less. And it was beautiful. What a re- what a slam dunk! Like that was a Shaq putting back a rebound and doing the Shaq attack dunk, where he just flings the legs up in the air. Instead, it was you know a young Elmer Soderblom who didn't really know how to celebrate and just was shocked instead. It's hard not to be excited about him too, because like everyone Did says, his parents. Yeah, they they were also very excited. They were they were two sections over from us. Yeah, yep. It was beautiful. Oh, they were so excited. And he and everyone will say it. He's the unicorn. That's what he is. His skill set is is insane. What he can do is is pretty crazy. And you see the highlight from last night then, too. Uh, which one? His three stick tap to go around the um, Kings defenseman where he got hooked down by the goal. Oh, yes. Yes. No. Elmer Soderblom got hooked. And in order to. <laughs> Because I tweeted, in order to, you have to really, really try really hard to hook a guy like Elmer Soderblom because his, he's just so much higher than you. You've got to really reach for it to try and hook him down. What's great is that Ken and Mick were like, if he was, if he was a normal player, he would have been taking a high stick. Yeah, and that's that's what they, they could have probably called either or, and they they went for uh, they went for the hooking. Yeah, for a quick description of what he did, the puck was pushed toward him. He was. Attack in the zone right before the blue line. Puck was on end. He hit it up in the air. And then when it got to about waist high or so, hit it again. And then again, one more time, right around neck level. So just inside the high stick, if it was a normal player, it would be well above their head. And managed to get it past the Kings defenseman who was still going backwards. Or skating backwards, I should say. And... Just got to the puck, but as he was getting there, the Kings player got the stick up in him, hooked him down to the ice, and he drew a penalty off of it. Amazing play. Huge play. Type of play that you would hope that 
for what he's there to do is bring offensive skill into this team. And he's, he's freaking doing it, man. Yeah. And if we go and look, look at his actual numbers right now, and again, it is only three games played, but his, and, and because it's the beginning of the season, we'll probably have some new listeners. I'll explain some of the stats before we go too into them. But if we look at possession metrics for Elmer Soderblom, his Corsi four in all situations, which is uh, above 50% means the team was controlling the puck more often than not with them on the ice. So in all situations, his Corsi four is 58.7%. That means when Elmer is on the ice, the team is controlling the puck 58% of the time. His Fenwick four, which is the same thing, above 50% means the team was controlling the puck more often than not with them on the ice, is a 65.4. His Fenwick is a 65.4, which means, again, the team is controlling the puck more when he is on the ice. And he, of course, he's getting more offensive zone starts and defensive zone starts at 76%. But his on-ice save percentage is also 82.4. So team on-ice save percentage in all situations is the save percentage when that player is on the ice. And his average time on ice is 13 minutes and 39 seconds, which he's getting. And that's third line minutes, second line minutes. If that. He's getting getting power play time, too. Huh? He's on power play unit too. Also, he did get thrown out there yesterday. He got he actually got moved down to the first power play unit last night when when all the changes were happening. Yeah, so he's getting special teams. So special teams is what is what's going to keep him on this team. That's the thing they wanted him where he was getting ice time. Now, thirteen minutes of ice time for a guy first year guy who's a mid six player currently, and getting special teams. That's what you want. So I think he's going to make it as the season progresses if he keeps playing like this. When guys like Fabry come back from injury, he's going to make it even harder to move him down. And we saw that. I, Joe Valeno was sat. Pia Suter was sat. Philip Zadina was sat. Soderblom has not come out of the lineup. So that's, and I don't think we can expect him to just because of the impact he's had so far in his little amount of time that we've seen him. Yeah, and, and, and that speaks to the skill sets there. And you mentioned he's a unicorn because he is. Like He was a sixth round pick. Like, you can just hope that he can maybe make the NHL when you're getting drafted at that point. And you look at Detroit's history, they've done pretty well with international players in the sixth and seventh round. So to see him come through and pull that off is fantastic. But as you mentioned, it's at the, what's the proper word I'm looking for? Chagrin of many people in this fan base, because that means that a guy like Philip Sedina has not been on the, on the roster that Joe Valeno has also not been in the roster. And to a sitter, it's like it's a toss-up between those guys of where they're going to be playing. I mean, Zadina, you could argue, had a shitty night last night. And he was he alone in that sentiment? No. But for where he's currently at in terms of his roster status, it was glaring. And one of those turnovers that he had nearly led to a goal against. But he was still his aggressive self and that's what you can hope for, but you need more. Now I'm not saying that the team as a whole was perfect last night. They were far from it. They somehow got a point out of the game, but in that situation, again, you would like to see Philip Sedina take a step forward and do something with that opportunity. And to me, he didn't do that last night. Blano, he was just kind of there. Suter again, also just kind of there, but then you look at their ice time and he's Leno's 10 13, Suter 9 31. 
Somehow Jake Vrana has only got 11.36 through two games. That's very interesting to me. Did he leave the second game early? Yeah, that's a oddly low ice time for Vrana because he'd get power play time too. Something seems weird here. Could be. I don't know. But anyways, but I go to my point, like guys like Dominic Kublik with the ones that we've touched on, David Perron, Andrew Kopp, those guys that were brought in to help this team. There's a reason they are playing top six and also in basically all situation hockey right now. It shows what they are doing when they are on the ice is impactful. And what I saw last night from Philip Zeno wasn't impactful. So is again, it was one game. I get it, but it wasn't his first game. So now with this opportunity, because for his sake, maybe he better hope that Verona comes back. So we're not seeing a guy like Bergeron get called up to fill another roster spot void. Um, it's do or die for him. In my opinion, I get it. We're three games in, he's played one of them. But if you want to cement yourself on this team, you've now got about four to six weeks to make it happen. Because if you don't, Steve Eiserman is he'll make that trade. We have some uh, mid-recording team news just announced. <clears throat> Minor, if you will. What's that? Update. The Red Wings today removed defenseman Seth Barton from injured non-roster and assigned him to the HL's Grand Rapids Griffins. Oh, great. So that is a big body aggressive defenseman now going back down to Grand Rapids. Fantastic. Well, I pulled up stuff while you were talking on uh, percentages of picks by round uh, players that make it to the NHL based on what round they're picked in. Ooh, I like where you're going with this. Sixth round draft picks, 31% of players from the drafted in the sixth round will play an NHL game. Now, it doesn't say how many NHL games, but just we'll play, one game will will play an NHL game. So <laughs> that is uh, that's your interesting stat of the day is that it is 31% of players drafted in the sixth round will play a game. I believe Mark Stone right now is the points leader for active sixth round picks. So if you're Elmer, Sundblom, wasn't that six, six round, um, sixth or seventh, but uh, he was seven. I was looking at active players. Right, so, right. I was just going going down memory lane a little bit right there. So if your Elmer Soderblom turns into a Mark Stone, uh, we won't be too worried about that, I guess. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. You like Dylan Larkin this season, maybe you think he's going to score a bunch, help you win. You can use things like that, combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. The other game that happened was the Red Wings versus the New Jersey Devils. They won 5-2. Dylan Larkin had a three-point night. Ben Sherratt had a goal and an assist. Lucas Raymond had two points. Verana had two points. I did look also at Jacob Verana's uh, game log. He had 12 minutes and three seconds of ice time in game one and 11 minutes and nine seconds in game two. 
So really? Yeah, he's getting lower ice time. And I wonder if that's because uh, Lalone has figured out that he is not spectacular defensively. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair point. I mean, he's out there in every offensive situation, it seemed like. And it could be one of those things. And maybe I should keep an eye on that more of when they get back into the defensive zone. Are they trying to make quick changes in terms of who's on the ice for that for certain situations? I mean, that'd be interesting to figure out. Well, currently but, he's split 50-50 on Ozone and D-Zone starts. So Interesting. No, you mentioned Larkin, though. He is off to a fucking hot start, eh? Four points in three games already? Yeah, if we actually go down the list right now, David Perron, four points in three games. Dylan Larkin, four points in three games. Oli Mata, four points in three games. In 66 games last season with the LA Kings, Oli Mata had eight points. Dude, he is a smooth player. He, I don't know what's going on. Okay, so he was a decent, he was decent offensively in when he played for Pittsburgh. He had a close to 30 point season. I believe he was in the 20s for a few seasons, like high 20s. But I mean, this team, and I don't know if it's coaching style or playing style, four points in three games and you're already halfway to your total from 66 games last season. And he's looked really good. He seems really excited to be here too in all his interviews and everything. So I think it's just uh, is this just kind of a system that works more to Olimata's play style or what is it? Because in order to get like it's it's not super common to get your like half your total points from last season in three games. Right. I mean, he, he's been paired up primarily with Hronik, if I remember correctly. Uh, so maybe it's the sense that he ha- doesn't have that any type of pressure, if you will, of like a worry about what he does offensively so he can kind of just shoot, forget, or get rid of As long as he's holding the puck in the zone, that's like really what he's there to do. But when he does it, it's helping this team tremendously. So and you watch him in the defensive zone. He's been great in terms of getting in the lane for shots. He's there for breaking passes up, and he's fantastic along the boards. He's doing what you expected him to do and what he was brought in to do, which was make this defense better. So. And when you're playing with a guy like Hronik, he, he, you're going to kind of need that because he's there. Hronik is there to put points on the board to an extent, not necessarily play that full defensive game. So there's a good Jekyll and Hyde on the back end when those two are on the ice. Now, it could also be that they're telling the defense to be more aggressive. That's the other half of it, too. Complete system change. Yeah. In 2021-22 with LA, Olimata had uh, 10 takeaways in 66 games. In three games, he has three takeaways. So that could be the other half of it. The defense is becoming more aggressive. They're trying to strip pucks, and it seems like he's successful in doing that. And when he's successful in doing that, he's also got a pretty decent first pass, and he's getting it to the offense, which is resulting in him getting points. So that could be the other half of it, too, is an aggressive defense is going to lead to more points for the defense because they're going to get the breakout passes and and get uh, spring those break uh, away. So that could be the other half of it, too, is that he's just getting he's getting those opportunities. Same with Dominic Kubelik, three points in three games. Michael Rasmussen, three points. Kubelik is flying out there defensively. meh, But when he's in the offensive zone. He is fun to watch, and he is not afraid to shoot the puck. And I love the way that Ken and Mick talk about how he was a 30-goal scorer yep. because he is looking like that type of player right now, in my opinion. 
Yeah, goal and two assists. And again, just the offense out there is shooting a 25% shooting percentage currently, which is not sustainable. But he's getting, yeah, you never know. He's getting 14 minutes and 29 seconds average ice time. And again, he's a big guy. He is not afraid to blow people up either. He's had some really nice hits. And it's it's good to watch because you see a guy like that who had a had Calder votes, who had a 30 goal season in his rookie season in the NHL and then just get mired down by Chicago and and drop off and drop off the next two years and then come back here. And I mean, it's a fresh start for him after being literally cast off by Chicago, them not qualifying him. And we pick him up. We get him now. He's on the top line with or was on the top line with Larkin Raymond with Bertuzzi out. And that's the kind of guy you could put up there with a playmaker like Larkin and feed him the puck. And he's got the offensive offensive ability. He's shown it. He's shown his shots a missile. And it's a guy who you say, hey, if you can get your opportunity, you can get your ice time and you can get back up to 25, 26, 27 goals. I mean, that's kind of where you want him to be for what you signed him for. Yeah. And, it, and like I said, he, he moves quickly when he is out there and I think when Detroit has been effective in these three games, they're very fast in the offensive zone. Meaning when they've got the puck, it's not just trying to go point to along the wing or along the boards, moving it behind the net. Puck moving great all day, but he, when you can move with the puck, thus getting the defense to move with you, it creates opportunity and chances. And when he's out there, that's what's happening, and it's fantastic. Yep, there are only five Red Wings currently that do not have a point. Robert Hag, Gustav Lindstrom, Mo Sider, Joe Valeno, and Philip Zadina. They all do not have a point, but everyone else has points. And that's kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, is that the offense is there. And our offense has looked very good. And the yes. game, especially in the game against Jersey, where that's supposed to be a tough team. This season, and they keep saying that Jersey, they're taking like someone had said to us early Jersey, they're taking a step forward. And it's like, uh, looks like they're taking a step backwards because they're owing two right now. And it's it was just good to watch against because I'm like, this Jersey team could be tough. This could be a test for the Red Wings to see what they do. And they won convincingly. So it's a game again. They were on the second half of a back to back. And, you know, those are tough, especially when you go on the road. And they did look tired in the first couple periods, but they picked it up and they were able to win that game, which was fantastic. So, yeah, again, it goes back to my point. The team looks and feels different. They do. And it's it's refreshing. I mean, yeah, there are new faces out there. So that is an immediate way that they're different. We've seen the impact that Perron is making on this team. His two goals yesterday. Gorgeous. But then what was more impressive was the assist that he got to Sonny to tie the game late to, to force push the game to overtime. You're seeing that these new players are making an impact, but you're seeing what this new coaching staff is helping do with this team as well. And what I'm really happy about is though they just got their first goal, the power play has been wonderful to watch. They are moving the puck. They're getting the puck on the net and they're more often than not, they are having sustained pressure. Has the puck found the back of the net yet? No, but they're not just shooting the puck for the sake of shooting it. They're doing so. The it's causing cycle havoc is there. In front. Yes. We're seeing what we saw at the start of last season 
but with Tangay coming in with his new system and what he could bring it, we're now seeing that again, and it's effectively being utilized. Now, want that puck in the net, obviously. That's what the power play is there for, but there, there's promise there. With Burt being out, we'll see how that changes things. I mean, we mentioned it a little bit ago. Soderblom was moved up to the top power play unit at one point. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out over the next several weeks. But if they can get that off to a hot start or at least get off to a better start moving forward with that first goal out of the way, that's going to be huge. And that's, I think, going to be a big part whether or not this team can push for that 85 points that you mentioned. Now, I did poll the Twitter audience asking them what are some things that really stood out to you during games against Montreal and New Jersey. Stephanie says the confidence that the team shows hasn't been seen in a long time. It's good to see players taking shots, throwing it at the net every shift, wants them to not quit on the play, and they haven't. And that's a big thing. They have not quit on any plays. That's evident by Dylan Larkin. Uh, KMH says the mid-game adaptations that seem to take place without seeing lines get thrown into the blender. Seemed to be a real change, especially against New Jersey after the rough period. They stabilized incredibly well. Uh, he's like, is that Lalan? Is that personnel? What is that? And I think it's both. It's the coaching staff as a whole and Lalone's kind of him, his demeanor and ability to adapt mid-game and calm players down, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look, to that point, like you look at their, their coaching staff with Bob Bugner, Derek Lalone, and Alex Tangay. That's some good ass experience behind the bench right there. Bogner's got some time. Wasn't he interim head coach or head coach out at San, in San Jose? Yep. So you've got that there as well, which I I kept forgetting that he was on this team up until the start of the season. I was like, holy shit, I totally forgot about that. And he, I think, is part of the reason we're seeing such an improved defensive aspect and what he's bringing and just his demeanor if you will he was a tough ass player to, in, in the nhl and he's brought that i think a little bit to this team right now and they're in they're doing fantastic with it but that's no it, it, i'm still excited i know we're it's early but the way they are playing to that point you just made like it's it's noticeable from what we saw even just at the start of the season last year uh sig says shot number up offensive zone puck possession up depth is better than last year Drop off in talent and potential production from line to line is improved, meaning that it is spread out incredibly well. And we've seen that from top to bottom, that every line of ours has been dangerous. And that's depth scoring. That's extra people on the power play. That's different people on the penalty kill. You've got literally the largest line in NHL history with uh, I think it was an average height of six foot six in Sunquist, Soderblom and Rasmussen. So that's a big one, too, is you've got a line you can throw out there. And Lalone had said, God, I hope that line works. And then he said, they've overdone my expectations of what they could do. And just imagine that barreling that line barreling down on you in the defensive zone. Uh, you're going to want to get out of the way because I had kind of found that whenever Soderblom has the puck, they have to send two guys after him. If they don't send two guys yeah. after him, there's absolutely no chance. So that leaves a guy open somewhere on the ice and he, him himself being on the ice is opening the ice for everyone else because of the coverage they have to throw at him in order to try and retrieve the puck. So when that line is on the ice and three games played, I'm looking at natural stat trick right now. They've got 23 minutes and 13 seconds of time on ice together. 
They've got a Corsi four of 62%. They've got a Fenwick four of 70.59. Their shot four percentage is 70%, out shooting their opponents 21 to nine. They've somehow been outscored two to one, but their expected goals for 1.8. Expected goals against is a 0.5. They're, they're dominating play when they are out there. I mean, you could argue that the exception was last night. Like I said earlier, how LA was kind of running circles around them with that team speed and what they had. That IFL, when they were matched up with Kopitar, Ayafalo, and uh, I want to—I don't want to say it was Arvidsson, but whoever the third person was on that line, they could not keep up. And I was happy to see that Lalone finally went away from that matchup and got him away from because that was the top, the starting lines for the game as well, and it was just noob. But it's fun to see that type of impact they were—they're already making together. Yeah, and then the last comments we got, uh, the big yellow M team makes good hockey players. That's one. We knew that. They make some of the best hockey players uh, on the planet. And then uh, Soderblom's silky paws and presence in front of the net. That's the other thing. Uh, Soderblom makes a better wall than a window. And it's, it's great. It's leading to scoring opportunities. He can park and just be like two Thomas Holmstrom stacked on top of each other. And uh, Ben Sherratt looking for violence after the whistle. That is the one thing that I think has been the funniest is Ben Sherratt wants to kill people. That picture, was that Greg that posted that? Which one? Uh, the picture of Mo going to play the puck and Sherratt going to kill the guy that was behind him. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, ben Sherratt chose violence. That was the picture. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And then there was a couple of times where Sherratt gets punched in the face and then he does throw the whole hands up like that guy should get a penalty for punching me in the face. It's worked once so far. It And he the thing that I was worried about is now and again, it's still early in the season, but it was Ben Sherratt taking stupid penalties and he's not taking stupid penalties. In fact, he's pissing people off and drawing penalties or trying to draw penalties and it's working. So that's that's kind of the the one thing that I was worried about it. And his offense looks great, too. Ben Sherratt's putting pucks on net. He's getting points. He scored a goal already. I don't think that contract's going to look as bad as a bunch of people were bitching about when we signed it. I hope it. not. I hope not. Still a very early, so I'm not going to say too much. But right now, he is a noted dangler and sniper. So yeah, and it's uh, it's been good. Uh, but yeah, I kind of who's our next? What's our next game? What's coming up? The Hawks on Friday. We do play the Blackhawks on Friday at 8:30 p.m. The Blackhawks currently are a bunch of hot garbage. So uh, they're coming off a win against the San Jose Sharks after losing to the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. So they are one and two and uh, they should be looking for a fight and we'll give it to them because I hate the Blackhawks. Yeah, no, I've got my uh, meme or I should say image teed up ready for that game on Friday. So that will be getting tweeted out as is the usual and tradition. So be prepared for that one for a retweet. And I do want to say congrats to Corinne for winning our Elmer Soderblom jersey giveaway. Uh, Thank you for everyone that entered. We're going to do more giveaways throughout the season. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, We're going to get some guests on too in that. But Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off tonight. No, final thoughts for me is that it's a it's a promising start to the year. We got five points out of six through those first three games. They've played an aggressive brand of hockey that I don't think we've seen before. Seems like it kind of caught up with them a little bit when it came to uh, the L.A. matchup. But as you mentioned, that is a playoff level team. They had 99 points last year. 
we did fantastic in terms of fighting, not in the literal sense, but in the sense that we didn't give up on the game. And it was made evident by what Larkin did to help close that thing out and thus tie it um, shortly after with Sunquist from Perron. And does that happen under the old coaching staff? Maybe. It's not to say that it wouldn't, but all signs point to that there, that is the shift that we're starting to see. And to me, Derek Lalone, he's very, been very open and forthcoming in all the things that he's talked about up to this point. And it shows that what he's the message that he's pushing to this team, it resonates on how their performance on the ice and to be two and one, two Oh and one to start this year, right. Two on one. Did I say that yeah, two Oh and one is, is fantastic. And that's as long as they're competing game to game, like they did with LA last night, 85 points could not be out of the question. Now I'm not saying that will happen, but I'm, Cautiously optimistic about it. So, but I'm very happy with how things have started. And I hope we're having the same jovial conversation this time next week. Uh, but on that note, already Ryan 33. Yeah, let's try not to come back and be irrationally angry after we lose a few games. Because I mean, you got to think it's, again, we're going to lose. The get, no team is going to go out and win 82 games and then take home the cup. So let's not try to get too low when that first, like, actual loss comes because I thought that was going to come to LA and then we just ended up fighting back and clawing our way and getting a point out of that which is beautiful to see that's what we want to see is games where we think we are going to lose and there were people that said LA is that first real test that's a playoff team they've got a really good team and we were able to get a point out of it and that was really good to see so my final thoughts are that I am excited for this season that we have a lot of stuff to talk about now we will have Episodes full of reca- game recap, finally. And then uh, again, it's good to be able to talk about the games, right? To be able to just like break things down, even though it's only three games. So it's not a ton. But to be able to just take take our, our gatherings from the first three games and be able to put them down into. Sorry not to overreact a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I would like to say thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us. And spreading us around, you can follow me at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast at Grindline Pod. You can check out our merch at Redbubble. If you go to redbubble.com and search the Grindline, all our merch is there. We'd like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit. Again, thanks to Vintage Detroit for teaming up with us on the Jersey giveaway. You can follow them at Vintage DET uh, on Twitter. And I think it's Vintage Detroit Collection on Instagram. It is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. They're absolutely fantastic. And they actually have stock. But if you want an away jersey, get it quickly. Yes. Because Ryan says they are running out of away jerseys. Aways are going much faster than the homes, which I was kind of surprised by, but also not because the white is just beautiful. Yep. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10% off your order. If you use the same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you will get 12% off your order. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.